Hi, this is Alexander, and I'm here with Darian. Darian, he just cracked his first $7,127 month or $10,000 in Australian dollars because he's from Australia. Yeah. And uh, he actually started a business right before Christmas and a month and a half or one month in, he actually got fired from his sales job, which is unrelated to all this, just a company thing inside his company. Instead of getting a new job, he focused full time on business. So welcome, Darian. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what happened there exactly? So, so you started right during Christmas and what happened then? So I started with the, with the group just before Christmas. Um, was stoked going through all the video course and, and kind of learning from everyone. Basically, there was a, a sales issue with the job that I was at. The, the coal company just wasn't making money. And uh, I kind of knew something was up, uh, joined BMI, and then realized that instead of getting another job, like there was way more opportunity in running my own thing. So I, um, when that all happened, I just doubled down and focused on, on my business. And yeah, within five weeks of, of that happening, I, I'd already been at 10K. Uh, already made 10k for the month it just kind of reinforced that whole idea that yeah i don't need to go and get another job and work for some other clown like i'm way better doing my own thing and focusing on my own business and spending all my time getting this to work what type of business did you end up building i've got a facebook ads agency that i've built running their facebook ads building their their audience and um and basically driving sales and the job you had before was a sales job in the ad industry as well right yeah, that's where I feel like I have managed to cut a lot of the learning curve because I was in sales. I've been in sales for eight years now, um, selling digital marketing solutions, primarily display advertising and branded content for a American publisher here in Australia. So I kind of get the sales process. I get you know how pixels work and how audiences work and how targeting works. So I can kind of talk to that really easily. But there was a lot of stuff that I learned in the course that was almost like the the in the trenches, mm. getting it done business that you don't learn in university and in like a Fortune 500 company. Like you do miss out on, I guess, that real gritty, you know, hands-on type business, um, which is what I've yeah. learned um, from you guys. It's pretty hard to learn that stuff. Like usually people take several years of trial and error and talking to other business owners and stuff like that. And uh, thankfully, there are people out there who have... Um, codified it you could say who have put it into a process that people can follow and in your case as you said you had experience in sales and you had experience in a very very closely related industry so your results were more immediate than most people uh, which is fine so we're, we're definitely happy about that what, what are you expecting to do in the next few months you said this month already you're expecting to do better than last month for example like how is your business growing so far yeah, definitely. I signed a new client last week who's, I think, feel like has got the most potential out of any of the clients I've signed so far. They've got a drop shipping store that's already making money. They're just looking for help to scale it up. So that's that's really positive. I just know that, yeah, like with everything that's already in the pipeline and that's with recurring revenue, like I'll definitely do 10,000 US dollars this month, which is, mm. I don't know, like 12,500 Australian dollars, probably maybe 13,000 Australian. And so then I really only just need to keep focusing on sales and, and lead gen to get that mm. to like 15, 20K um, within the next few months. And my plan ultimately is to actually come over to where you guys are in the next few months and, and do a summer in Europe. So I'm just kind of getting all the pieces in place, hiring, like putting the team together. So I've got a Facebook guy that helps me with delivery. Mm. I just hired a project manager a couple of days ago. 
just to help me with with the workload that we've got across all the clients that we're working with. So I feel like all those pieces are, are coming together and that should allow me by June, June-ish to be able to step, better travel and I'd still be able to work, but not have to do so much day-to-day freelancing essentially in my business um be able to work more on my business interesting oh you're coming over to europe come on over that's, if, that's uh, the plan Barcelona is actually the plan for for july well right now we have about 30 or 40 people here we're gonna go back down to about 10 or 15 uh since they're nice. most of them are here for the event but yeah i mean in july some people are going to be in eastern europe and then a bunch of them are going to be in in Barcelona and cities like that. It's going to be very crowded here. It's like a giant Las Vegas, minus the casinos, of course. If you're into that, of course. (laughs) As for the nitty-gritty stuff that you learned about business, what type of stuff is that? Like, what didn't you learn from doing a sales job in the advertisement industry for uh, however long you did that? I guess it's like the, the, the finer details of those things. So, like, I would be working in ad sales and pitching the bigger ideas, almost like yeah. the top level, like we can run a branded content thing or an influencer thing, or we'll go out and create a short three-part movie series to advertise this product. It was like the facilitation and the development of those ideas I wasn't mm. necessarily that involved in. So coming into this sort of thing where I'm in charge of everything, essentially, like making sure there's enough leads, making sure the clients mm. are happy, making sure we're delivering on what we're promising, and then help working with uh, these other contractors and other like team members to make sure that happens that focus of responsibility is still on me to make sure I understand how all those parts work and that I can help provide guidance and, and feedback to the team to get those results. So it's really like uh, like all the coaching calls have been super helpful, um, like jumping on those phone calls every couple of days and, and being able to talk about the problems that we're having with Facebook delivery or mm. talk about processes and how you manage those people that are working remotely, which I did have a bit of experience in working for an American company and being based in Melbourne, but it's, mm. it's just different when everyone's not on the company payroll, you're dealing with contractors and outsourcers and it, it's just a, it's a little bit more wild west. So having yeah. businesses in place and understanding what's supposed to be delivered, when it's delivered and having all those deadlines and, and kind of checks and balances in place is even more important in a business like this compared to running like a fortune 500 type of company. And your goal is specifically to travel. So you're not really down with having an office with a theme of people right now. So you pretty much have to yeah, get it to exactly. work remotely, right? Yeah, a lot of guys or some guys, not a lot, but some guys, they choose to have an office in um, some countries in Eastern Europe, especially where they can pay very good wages for those countries, but w- which are a fraction of anything you'd pay in Australia. They just build teams there and then they deliver like that, which you know, profit margins are crazy on that. Because the quality doesn't go down that much. You only need a copywriter to be from an English-speaking country. And everyone else, in terms of technical work, definitely they don't need to be from an English-speaking country. So they're perfectly happy making a couple of hundred dollars per project or having a salary of a thousand dollars. It's huge money over there. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's the kind of stuff people have been doing. And what a lot of guys are doing as well is doing it remotely. But, you know, it's a little bit tougher because they're not here, they're with you in the room. There's a lot of communication being lost, but on the plus side, you're not employing them per se. That's one. Mm-hmm. And two, you have an infinitely scalable team without offices if needed. Yeah, exactly. Hard to scale, but you have it if you can get the process to work. Actually, something I've been working on just uh, the, the last week of being able to set up almost more automated briefing processes for the team. So I've been using type forms and kind of setting up Google Sheets and Zaps 
and emails that sort of allow my team to be able to brief other members in the team without having to necessarily jump on Slack or jump on emails and, and talk back and forth too much. Like it's more of a template yeah. that we can fill out, it sends off an email, it then puts it into another Google sheet that my assistant can check off. So there's enough checks and balances in place to make sure that that works, mm. but it's also kind of automated, almost like a, like a SaaS product sort of. That's great if you're looking to scale and standardize. It'll need a lot of tweaking early on though, because put something in a process and the process seems to work, but it doesn't really produce the result that you think it does because you don't have 360 view and everything all the time. Uh, you better be quick at changing it because otherwise the mm. client doesn't feel satisfied or some process just runs, but it doesn't make any sense. So yeah. th that works as long as you tweak it quickly and iterate quickly early on because you're building a product at that point, right? So with products, yeah. it's about iteration. But then again, at least you're working on the business and you're not just freelancing around at that point. So it, it definitely has yeah, exactly. more benefits and disadvantages uh, as you scale. Maybe if someone's doing 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 hours per month, it's not worth it. But reaching certain numbers, yeah. it, require, it's, it becomes a requirement, basically. As I guess that's actually probably something interesting that I've noticed with um, like when I came into this and I watched a bunch of your interviews and I feel like this is maybe a common thread through all of mm. them, but it's, it's this idea of like sort of taking on enough stuff so that your plate's super full, forcing you to yeah. figure out solutions to those problems. Absolutely. As opposed to kind of just sitting around, you know, like looking at a few things and going, Oh, I wonder how I could make this better without any real necessity to do it. That's yeah. what I really like about this group is that it's, it is very much focused on that first strategy of get as much stuff going on as possible. So you're forced to figure out those little advantages and where you can kind of create those little points of leverage as opposed to just sort of all sitting around circle jerking and, and, and not really making any progress because you, you're not forced to. Yeah, reality has a few advantages over imagination sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Doing, yeah. doing things from point of view of we, we need this because the real world is telling us we need it versus, oh, I wonder what will happen if I spend a year inventing this new service mm. or product and then you roll it out and everyone's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense. It's all, it companies do as well, the, the smart ones at least. They spend a lot of time looking at the market and doing small tests here and there and then scaling what works. It's not that hard to scale, not that hard to get clients, but it's hard to build a strong foundation on which a seven-figure business can grow, which is hard. That's really, really hard yeah. to do. So the, the foundation is just, it's crucial because if you scale something that doesn't have the foundation, it'll just crumble right before you reach yeah. seven figures. You'll get to like 70K per month and it's like, oh, the little house is falling apart and everyone's complaining, yeah. which is not a big deal. You know, it's just a business, but it's better to iterate and grow consistently over um, six to 12 months than to just have this explosive thing. Most of the time with a service mm -hmm. business, right? But what a lot of guys end up doing is they run the service business, learn from a bunch of their clients for a year or two, and then they use all that market knowledge, which is the most valuable thing to build a product business or to build the next business model rather, which is usually um, e-commerce and stuff like that for guys like yeah. yourself. So, so that, that's, that's, that's the plan that people have. And then for you, what is your plan? So you're, you're learning a lot about how to build a service marketing agency, basically, right? So what is the plan for the next 12, 24 months? Like how big do you want to get it? And what do you want to do exactly? I'm sort of seeing all the pieces come together and how, like, like you're saying, like it does seem relatively straightforward to scale this up to $50,000, $100,000 a month. 
based on having the right team in place and having the right processes. And as long as you're iterating along the way and fixing those little issues, in theory, it, it shouldn't be any more difficult to go from $100,000 a month to $200,000 a month if the processes are there and the right team's in place. So I can actually see, like I did have an e-commerce product business that I've been working on for a couple of years before joining you guys that mm. there was just a whole bunch of issues with the way that I set it up from a cash flow mm. perspective, from an investment perspective. There was so many problems with it, which I, I like in the short time I've been with you guys, like I can see all those problems and, and how I would do it differently the, the next time. So that's definitely still on the radar of something that I want to get back to at some point just because I have put a lot of money into developing the products for those. But mm. in the meantime, I definitely want to just focus on on this business. And I think based on the, the experience I've got from the marketing and advertising background combined with what I've learned from you guys and how I've sort of seen it grow, I really don't think mm. there's any reason why I couldn't get it to like a, at least a very high six-figure business, um, if not potentially seven figures within 12 to 18 months. While traveling, that would be a first for, for someone who's traveling a lot, if you are indeed going to travel a lot, which I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying I want to see that as a precedent because then we have a, yeah. a nice little precedent here. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm a bit older. So like as much as I say I'm, I'm going to be traveling, it's still going to be like business first. Like I just want to be able to be in a nice new place, in a nice Airbnb that I can work from and, and then, you know, on weekends go out and do little trips around and, and go adventuring so it still is still business is the priority even though I'm, i'll be traveling who do you think should get into this type of business like the thing you're doing now who is it for like what what's a good what's a good type of person to do this yeah definitely a person that's motivated and has those goals of being able to live with some autonomy and to kind of figure out their own their own path in life like if you're the sort of person that needs to be told what to do all the time then it's definitely not going to work for you being i guess on your own path and purpose and then wanting to to either set yourself up with you know some freedom or some financial freedom or a little bit of flexibility where you don't want to have to go to an office every day and, and work for some do that, that doesn't know what he's doing that's the sort of person i would recommend that would probably try this sort of thing but you do need to be pretty self-sufficient pretty comfortable mm. with discomfort and definitely a self-starter like that's the thing i've noticed even the job that i had before this i, I was working from home so I had, i've had a lot of practice at kind of having to get up and, and get shit done without someone there like micromanaging me but if mm. you haven't had any experience with that and you've been used to going to work every day and, and having a boss there telling you what to do how to you know, open your emails and how to set your calendar up and, and do all that sort of stuff, I would imagine they're going to really struggle with this, this framework of, of like a lifestyle. There is help in terms of how to do that yourself, but of course people actually have to implement you know, with the schedule. In terms of people who have sales jobs, especially in the advertising industry, what would you advise them? I guess if you're just in it for sales, that it's also going to be kind of tricky. Like I, I genuinely, and this is actually something that, uh, that Timmy said on the call the other day, to, I can't remember who asked the question, but someone was trying to figure out like, a, I guess a sales technique on how to close these leads. And Tim's advice was like, I don't know how to teach you this, but you genuinely have to care about that person's business. And I felt like that's actually been the biggest uh, strength that, that I've had coming into this, where even on these calls that I'm on, where they're not necessarily the most qualified leads or they're people that, that don't really understand business fully. Like I've just had so much fun just talking to them and sharing value that a lot of them have come back and either like book consulting calls with me just to, to chat with me for an hour and a half uh, where I'll charge them like 200 bucks to do that. Or some of them have referred other people onto me. Just having that caring factor of like actually genuinely caring about people you're talking to and, and wanting to help them is super useful. And so I think just going back to your question, 
if you're a salesperson in the advertising and media space and you don't have an interest in business and you're just in it for the numbers, then I, mm. I do still think you're going to struggle with this sort of thing. Like you genuinely need to be passionate about business and like mm. the sport of business. There is so much fun in like, this, it's, it's like a, a video game. It's a really good ad campaign that I think that was like $400 in and like $17,000 of sales out. And I think his caption was addicted to the sport of business. And I'm like, man, I get that. That's cool. Awesome. So that's, that's really good input there is um, also on the, what sales guys should be into if they want to get into a business as opposed to just doing sales. Mm. So and that's the thing. Like I know a bunch of sales guys from the media space that are just in that because it's like, a, it's, they're just like, I uh, just like selling shit. And it's like, that's cool. And then I tell them what I'm up to and they're like, man, I don't know how you're doing that. Like, I know that is the big difference. Like I genuinely do enjoy business and, and the sport of it and helping people. So I think those things all come together nicely. Yeah. That's definitely the right attitude and business owners who don't learn that, which is definitely a learnable skill. But if you don't learn that, it's going to be tough because like, oh, this client is complaining. Duh, duh, duh. Well, okay, of course the client is complaining, but clients do. How do you deal with that? How do you set up a process to select better clients, uh, client retention process and delivery process to the client is not complaining. Like, obviously, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, It's not about this emotional journey of a client. It's not about that at all. It's actually a positive thing because you're learning and improving your business. That's just a thing that entrepreneurs learn and it's a life lesson more than anything. It's obviously a business yeah. lesson, but it's a life lesson underneath. I think it comes down to that whole like scarcity and abundance mindset as well. Like when you're going into mm -hmm. it, where you like, you need to close that deal because your, you know, your mortgage depends on it or your next meal depends on it. And you and you almost ignore a lot of the red flags and warning signs that potentially that yeah. client has and you bring them on. And then you're stuck in this loop of like trying to make sure that client's happy so you don't lose them because you take the money. Like if you can kind of think of it from that abundance mindset of like, well, I don't need anything from anyone. I just want to help everybody. And if someone comes along that isn't a great fit for my business and, and my company and my team, like I don't want to work with them, but I'm still going to like give them my time on the phone for that 45 minute consulting call and try and at least solve their problems and allow them to kind of leave in a better state of mind and with a better plan than they had before speaking to me. Mm. But I'm not going to just sign them and bring them on because I know that that's going to cause way more headaches down the line for everybody. If you take that with you and scale that, that's scalable. Whereas I need to close no matter what, that is not very scalable. It, it, it could be in certain business models, but not in the service business model. That's, that's tricky. And the world is kind of moving away from just close. If you look at the advertising industry, it's about results and the companies that grow, they produce results, just like in any other industry. 